0: What's up guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you're having a terrific week. Um, man, big show today. Big show today. I was joined by my friend Ian Hayworth. Uh, it's always a great time talking to Ian. We we kind of continued um, the conversation I had last Wednesday with Eric Schaefer about the alt-right um, trying to uh, infiltrate the conservative movement and what we can do about it and kind of where the conservative movement has failed. and. and what to do going forward and it, it was a good chat and i think it's an important chat i think it's, it's something that people need to hear so uh, you know please uh, retweet it share it uh, you know tell your friends tell your enemies tell your mom you know the whole nine yards uh, before i get to ian uh, guys please follow us on twitter at no please subscribe on itunes soundcloud or google play if you're on itunes please give us a five-star rating and a good review i'd really appreciate it and if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved uh, hit us up over on patreon patreon.com slash the no gimmicks podcast all right Uh, without further ado, here's my chat with the great Ian Hayworth. All right, guys, we're here with my friend Ian Hayworth. Ian, thanks so much for taking the time, brother.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, as always.
0: Of course, man. So, hey, I know this was a long time ago, and uh, the news cycle moves really quickly, but remember that time a sitting congressman shit his pants on live TV?
1: I mean... It feels like yesterday. I just—it's uh, such such a long time ago at this point. But I, I'm glad Eric Swalwell just keeps reappearing in our lives at fairly regular intervals, just to bring us a, a slight hint of joy uh, every now and again. I think it's much needed. Everyone loves a good fart joke. I think it's the one thing that can bring America together.
0: Yeah, like can, the news cycle really needs to slow down, man. We should have a full at least like 72 hours just to bask in the glory of Fartgate. Um, but life's just not, I mean, we deserve this. We really deserve this as a nation. We need, we deserve to enjoy ourselves for a while, but man, my goodness, <laughs> we talk about how the press lies all the time, but how addicted to you, how addicted to lying do you have to be to blame a on-air fart on a coffee mug scraping across a desk? That, that's not what a coffee mug on a desk sounds like, at least not where I come from. So it's like, dude, just admit it. You ripped ass on TV, man. I guess it could happen. I mean, I've, I've been on TV a bunch. I've done uh, tons and tons of radio interviews, some of them, you know, three, four hours at a time, and I've never ripped ass on air. But I, I'm sure it can happen. I'm sure it's happened before. Just admit it, dude. I, like, what? Uh, how, I mean, how are you going to talk your way out of that one?
1: It would just make him instantly more likable if he just said, yeah, made a joke about it, but he's um, he's not exactly the, the most amusing, clever guy uh, I've ever seen on television, and so... It, it's i think it's also in the politician's dna that the first the first resort is to lie and then if you get caught in that lie to lie a little better and then eventually come out if you have to many months later and admit the truth but uh he should have just admitted it it would have been funny i think people would have warmed to him a little more but that's certainly not what a mug sounds like certainly no mug i've ever seen in my life <laughs>
0: No. And it's just, you know, politicians, they are so addicted to lying. I mean, like, there's no need to lie about this. It's like Donald Trump with the lying about the uh, inauguration crowd size. It's mm-hmm. Like, I, dude, I get politicians lie, but why? Like, that's, you don't need It's like, it's completely yes. unnecessary to lie about something like this. But all right. So let's talk about some real news. I wish we could uh, just make fart jokes for for the full show. But <laughs> we'll talk about some real news. And I, I talked last week with Eric Schaefer about this, but let's let's jump right back into it. Um, let's talk more about these alt-right types that are trying to infiltrate the conservative movement. Um, Michelle Malkin got in trouble and was fired by uh, YIF for defending the racist um, Nick Fuentes kid, um, the Holocaust denier, uh, and, and these other alt-right types. I, I don't know much about Michelle Malkin. like I, I don't watch her show or anything, uh, but she at least seemed like a somewhat normal, conservative, and intelligent woman. So what what would possess her to do this? Like, I, I don't understand defending somebody like Nick Fuentes. Like, am I missing something here? Like, why would somebody like Michelle Malkin do that? Like, why is she dying on this hill? It makes no sense.
1: Yeah, I think it's—I certainly don't understand. I think there's—it's hard because you don't want to step into someone else's— head too much, um, because I, I think there are some options, right? I think often one of the alt-right's main weapons is misunderstanding, where people don't quite understand what they stand for or what their fundamental beliefs are, at least at the leadership level. And so that's one uh, one option where she, she doesn't quite get how virulently racist, anti-Semitic, uh, generally bigoted a lot of these viewpoints are, that they're fundamentally not conservative. They are built, in most cases, on a on a form of pseudo white supremacy, often just outright white supremacy, which is completely uh, opposite to really any mainstream conservative view. And so I think ignorance is one, but I I think people would often uh, react with some shock if you claim that someone's view like that was born from ignorance. And then the other side is that she's picking a side in what she sees as a civil war within conservatism between I don't even want to say mainstream because i i feel like the alt-right don't deserve to be in the the spectrum of conservatism at all because they are fundamentally not conservative like um our friend jeremy frankel wrote a really good uh, op-ed for the daily Wire about this saying the alt-right is not conservative there they have far more similarities with more radical leftist groups than they do with the uh, conservatives so i think I, I have no idea why she would say this i think it's a quite frankly pretty idiotic thing to say um regardless of whether it's born from ignorance or, or some other kind of intention, I think it's, it's deeply worrying. And I think it's good that she's uh, being rejected by the mainstream conservative movement. And I, I think we need to push back against the idea that the conservatives are just engaging in council culture because their council culture is a bad thing. When you are using it as a weapon against, against people, you simply want to shut down. Council culture is not a bad thing if it's someone whose views are utterly abhorrent and in no way aligned with your views. You don't have to associate with them. There's a freedom of association that we we should still maintain hold of. That we shouldn't have to embrace these people just to reject council culture. It's really, uh, it's really. Uh, I guess the ultimate umbrella it all comes down down to is this sense of bin- everything is applied to a binary argument. Where I know that tweet you referenced yesterday was you can either pick between David French conservatism and the alt right so called conservatism. Everything is is picked into your with us or against us kind of um, situation. And it's it's not healthy and it's completely illogical. So it's it's quite mind blowing that someone who I, I would say seemed to be pretty mainstream conservative until about five minutes ago would, as you say, die on this hill. I mean, what a what a rubbish hill to die on, quite frankly.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I kind of assumed when I first saw this that maybe she just didn't know who Nick Fuentes was. Maybe she didn't know the, the kind of racist and anti Semitic stuff he's he said and, and his fans have said but I mean like several days later she's still doubling down. I mean it's like mm-hmm. even if she was completely ignorant to to who these types of people are, she certainly seventy two hours later has had ample opportunity to do the research and, and you know <laughs> and figure out the facts and you know David French and other mainstream conservatives are, are calling her out for it. Justifiably so, and she's doubling down. So it's like, okay, she at least is friendly or sympathetic to the alt right. I, I don't think there's a way to get around that at at this point. And yeah, and you're right. are well, also the, think with the cancel culture thing, I don't even think it has anything to do with cancel culture. Like I don't, I'm not advocating for Michelle Malkin to get kicked off of Twitter or to, you know, not be able to make mm-hmm. a living or to, you know, or I don't, I don't want Nick Fuentes kicked off of Twitter. Like I, he's a evil jackass, but you know, I don't want him deplatformed or anything like that. Like it's, I don't even think the issue is cancel culture, if that makes sense.
1: Mhm. Yeah, I agree. I think um, the problem is though that you have the language of cancel culture, which is often used to reject accurate criticism, and I think you see it a lot on um, a lot on the right, where you have people who are just they they define being on the right as not being on the left, and so every element of what we see as being on the left includes things like, oh, council culture being shut down, being deplatformed, being silenced. And you see this language quite frequently from leaders of the alt-right and a lot of their supporters, where if you criticize their views, oh, you're a member of the council culture, you're just as bad as the left, you're a hypocrite, you're trying to silence me. And I think we need to return to a, a space in the conservative movement where we say, well, no, I'm, I'm disagreeing with your views that I think are abhorrent. That is not the same as silencing you or saying that you do not have a right to hold those views. Um, I think it's a quite a subtle point that's being completely missed in this situation by, by a lot of people. Um, And I, again, I do not understand why it's this hill that she is choosing to die on. I think there are so many other um, voices in the conservative movement that are, I would understand supporting more than someone like Nick Fuentes who's just like, he's a 21 year old guy who says offensive things on purpose just to get attention and has, quite a lot of support from what mostly seems to be sort of young white guys on on Twitter, which is, you know, fine, your, your race or your age doesn't matter, but it's not exactly like this huge movement that has to be spoken about. I feel like they're just being overly legitimized beyond really what they deserve at this point. Um, and it's, of course, I, I think a big part of this as well is that this is a dream for the left because the left are trying to conflate the alt-right with the right And so whenever you see someone like Nick Fuentes or the alt-right movement generally come up, then the left and the media are quite happy to jump on that, make them appear to be voice pieces for the conservative movement. Um, And so that fuels that binary issue too, because people see the left going after someone. And so it's almost like the enemy and my enemy is my friend kind of issue, but I think conservatives need to reject that pretty wholesale and just, Put everything through the filter of what is and isn't conservative. Right. And so, and then make judgments rather than just making all your judgments based on your enemy.
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I, I, I kind of have a blunder bus of points here. So I'm sorry if I sound a little scatterbrained. There's a lot of different points I want to make here. Um and but first I want to address something you just said, and you're absolutely right. Um a, a lot of these young people, young, you know, conservative types or conservative leaning people. They do define the right as being anti-left, right? And then they
1: mm-hmm. goes
0: back to William F. Buckley in the '60s said it's not enough to be an anti-communist. It's not it's not enough to just be anti-something. You have to be pro-something. You need to give people a reason to be a part of your movement outside of you hate socialism. So, and there mm-hmm. is a lot of uh, you know on these college campuses and stuff, there are groups like Turning Point in USA and these types where they, it's they're just they're just anti-communists, right? They're, they're just anti-leftists. They're, like their messages a mile wide and an inch deep, right? It, it, the whole wearing T-shirts that says socialism sucks on it and getting people to chant Trump's name, that you're not building, you're not cultivating the next generation of conservatives. You're not actually informing these people on what conservatism really means. You're just against the Democrats. You're against the left. And that's, you know, when people don't have a firm foundation in their own political ideology, it's easy for people to, to corrupt them and to trick them and to, to lead them mm-hmm. astray. So I think that's a, a huge point.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. I think, um, I also think this is a problem on both sides where young people have always been a target for uh, politicians or political groups because young people tend to be more easily led than others. Like your brain is still developing, you're still kind of finding out who you are and what you believe. And so you're seeing now campuses becoming this war ground for really claiming political turf where really the goal should be a, a, a good faith attempt to equip people with the understanding of the ideology so that they can then take their founda- their, uh, their foundational principles and then decide their political leanings based on that. But as you say, it's I think the movements like uh, Turning Point USA are good in the short term because I think they're pushing back against leftist indoctrination on campus. But the problem is you're seeing a lot of people, as you say, who are coming out with a very shallow view of what being conservative is. And I see people on, I, I think Twitter is the worst for this and Instagram as well. I'm a conservative, I'm a conservative. What does that mean? Oh, well, I, I wear a Trump hat and I take a photo with a gun every now and again. It's like, well, okay, yeah, that's perfect. all well and good, but that's not really conservatism. It's very easy to slide from from that view of conservatism into the alt-right or really into the left because all you need to do is have have the left be pro-gun with a with a recognizable hat. And There's really not a lot of difference, so.
0: Right. It, I, I think
1: that's definitely one thing that conservatives need to fight more is the depth of conservatism needs to needs to be uh, put back on the table a little bit rather than just clapping for our king rather than their king.
0: Right. It, it's it's the political equivalent of like a, a mega church, right? And I know mm-hmm. you're, you're Jewish, so I don't know if there's the same kind of equivalent in in Judaism, but in in Protestant Christianity, there's a lot of these huge, very successful churches. Where they preach the gospel, but it 's not there 's not a ton of substance there and it 's really good in reaching people that have never heard about God, have never read the bible and it 's good to bring people in the door you need to actually teach them Then after that, you know what I mean? You can't, it can't mm-hmm. end there because it's easy for people to fall away from God. If they're not actually being taught, if they're not actually hearing good sermons with, with real substance. And it's kind of that kind of dynamic, I think, but all right. So mm-hmm. yesterday I went off on Twitter. I'm trying to do less angry Twitter rants and failing, um, <laughs> but I, I went <laughs> off. Fails. Yeah, I, 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 fail, I fail at that big time, but I went off on Twitter last night, I forget who I quote tweeted, but uh, he was attacking David French, um, saying, you know, who do you want? Do you want an American first warrior who fights like Michelle Malkin or David French who would rather lose and be polite than, you know, actually fight and win? And I just want to I'm like, look, if I, <laughs> I have uh, big problems with David French and some stuff, but if I'm choosing between David French and racists or people that. You know, align themselves with racists. I'm obviously siding with David French. But then I, I thought about that last night, and obviously that's true, of course. Um, but I, I put a lot of thought into that, and I was really kind of convicted. I I think us conservatives, we, we need to take a good, hard look at ourselves in the mirror. Because like you said, and, and Jeremy Frankel's piece in Daily Wire said, you know— the alt right is not part of the right at all. They're actually leftists. They're essentially socialists economically. Mm-hmm. Why? And the alt right is not an extension of the right. It is an alternative to the right. You know, literally, that's what mm-hmm. the alt right means. Why are these people looking for an alternative? Like, wh- why? Like, well, why? I, why has the conservative movement driven these people away? It's because the conservative movement has failed. Like, we we fit you and I. I'm not just blaming David French or, or whoever, we as a movement have failed. Like, what have we conserved? We've conserved nothing. The federal government is larger than it's ever been in history. It's spending more money. It is running roughshod over the Constitution. Where we're, we're, how many Middle Eastern countries are we bombing right now? Eight. You know what I mean? Like, our, our debt's at, at 20, over 23 trillion. It's like, what have we conserved? So, like, what can we be doing better? Like that That's the question reached. I'm not blaming ourselves or blaming David French for the alt-right. Obviously, that would be ridiculous, but there's plenty of blame to go around, and I want to dig deeper into that, but what do you think, man? Do you agree with me that there is plenty of blame to go around, and we on the right, we conservatives, need to assume some yeah, blame I think, as well? Yeah,
1: I, I think there's a little bit of blame uh, for everyone. I think there's there's blame in the general conservative movement, especially at the political level, where... Uh, decade after decade, there's, there's basically been a, a low-level betrayal of, of core conservative uh, promises and also just the, the failure to really actually follow our principles. As you say, the spending is just year on year going up. Um, what I find strange is that a lot of the alt-right who claim to be about fiscal conservatism are also supporters of Trump, and he spends money like <laughs> like anyone on the left in a lot of ways. Right. Uh, so that's, that's a little bit of a A confusing point. But again, I think it I think what we need to do is, as a movement, focus on a core set of values. And I think we are not focusing on that enough that it gets very easy to redefine conservatism as various other issues. So, for example, conservatism becomes solely about guns or conservatism becomes solely about some form of nationalism, whether it be America first, which I think is a is a hugely broad term or just some kind of pseudo-racist European culture uh, supremacy, which makes no sense because Europeans aren't the same. There's no white culture. There's no European culture. It's, It's kind of meaningless. Certainly when you're talking about America, there's no such culture. And I think the third failure is the refusal often to really push hard on difficult conversations. I think they're within In the alt-right movement, I think there's two types of people. I think there are the cynical leadership who are either out-and-out racists or people who just want attention. And I think a lot of their followers, um, I I, I don't want to say how many, but I I think there are, it's fair to say that some of their followers are people who get caught in a spiral of, they, they start by asking questions that no one else is willing to answer. And I think the fact that conservatives are refusing to answer, say, tough questions on things like immigration, It's quite easy, especially in the days now of the Internet, to spiral downwards into an ideology that really is quite abhorrent if you allow only one side to have that conversation. And so now you've got a lot of conservatives who are kind of backing off a little bit on the topic of, say, immigration and immigration control, especially when it comes to the differences between legal and illegal immigration. And if you back off and let the alt-right take the reins on that, before long, the only people talking about these things are the people who claim that, Basically, the the white European culture, which doesn't exist, is superior, and we're <laughs> losing that, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, I think those are the three areas I would like to see conservatives uh, improve upon. Whether or not it'll happen, of course, because I think a lot of that include like involves sticking your neck out, um, which some people aren't willing to do because they'd rather have general support than than fight within what they're in movement. But it gets to a point where. If your own movement is is being lost in the process, then what are you really fighting for unless you're willing to stand up for the core, your core values?
0: Right. I, I think that the number one failure of the conservative movement, at least in on this topic of the alt-right—and I don't mean the alt-right. I don't mean Nick Fuentes or the racist or anything like that, but just the people that call themselves America first, which, like you said, you could define mm-hmm. that a million different ways. I think our biggest failure is not recognizing that these people have legitimate concerns— like I don't see mainstream conservatives giving these people any credit at all. When they do, and not not the racists, but the rest of them, the at least somewhat normal ones that haven't been completely corrupted by the alt right, they have legitimate concerns. I mean, like Donald Trump won, ran, and won on securing the border. No one, and then the conservative movement doesn't do anything to to secure the. I mean, what has Congress done to secure the border? Nothing. Like nothing at all. Mm-hmm. You know, half the Republican Party fights Trump on it. You know, like, they don't want to, 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 you know, to reduce illegal immigration. They don't want to. They don't even want to touch it. So, of course, like, when they see the Republican Party failing on the border, of course, like, their frustrations are legitimate. They're absolutely legitimate. And imagine, just put yourself in the position—I'm 30 years old, so, like, I'm, you know, older. But, like, put yourself in the position of a 21-, 22-year-old conservative. You know what I mean? It's like, And your, your whole life, the only thing you remember politically is being lectured to by Obama and Republicans telling you how much better it will be if they elect a Republican. You finally are old enough to vote. You elect mm-hmm. Donald Trump and then half the conservative movement makes it their life mission to destroy him. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. you know, Obama bad, Obama bad, Obama bad. That's what David French and Jonah Goldberg and you and I and, and all of us in the conservative movement. That's what we said for eight years. America elects a Republican, Donald Trump, who promises to close the border, not, or, you know, whatever, secure the border, promises to, de- you know, defend the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, to cut spending, to do all this. And what is David French doing right now? He's on Twitter talking about how the president should be impeached. Okay, like, I get uh, it. I think- like, I get it. If you are frustrated, I get that. I, that, that is legitimate. You're told all we have to do is elect a Republican. We elect him and then the 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 conservative establishment hates the guy and tries to get him kicked out of office. I, I see why these guys, these young conservatives, would be like, fuck all the way off. Like I get why they would hate the the, the, the David French's of the world and would call him smug and, and stuff like that. I, I I like David French. You know, I, I disagree with him on Trump, obviously, but I agree with him on a lot of things. But I get it like do I get why these young conservatives are way turned off are are looking for an alternative to the right yeah like that that's i i understand it and we need to be addressing that
1: yeah and I think I think the way we address that is we go back to a time where we're having these difficult conversations within a system of fundamental conservative values rather than letting the conversation be usurped by someone else who I don't think has good faith intentions whatsoever. I think that's the problem we see now is that we have allowed a certain topic or a certain style of rhetoric to be completely monopolized and and really bastardized out of recognition. So that now, as you say, the the alternative to the, I don't want to say mainstream conservative view on things like immigration, but a, a large swathe of the upper echelon of the, say, the Republican Party have one view. And if you disagree, there's no place for you within the conservative movement. And what also makes this harder is it's very hard to, uh, to differentiate between the people who choose to align themselves with people like the alt-right for good reasons and people who choose to do it for bad reasons. I think once you get to that point, it's very hard because you don't want to really allow an element of I'd say white nationalism for example to pinch your party I think that's one of the most despicable things about the 2016 campaign was the legitimization and the pandering to uh, the alt right and the far right that was going on right. by people like Steve Bannon and to some extent Donald Trump. So I think the step needs to be to return that co- to return the conversation to co- uh, to conservatism. And then the people who want to have that conversation in good faith will hopefully come back. I, I think engaging with the alt right on these topics is not going to help because I think their leadership aren't interested in actually having those conversations. I just think those conversations are catalysts for them to grow their own notoriety and their own popularity and and stir the pot, Um, which doesn't get you anywhere. That They're not interested in debate or political progress. They're just interested in trolling, really. That's that's quite clear.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I also don't like the false choice that Mm -hmm. some people are trying to make. With You have to be rah-rah, American first. America first, borderline, alt-right, or at least alt-right adjacent or whatever, or friendly. You have to go full, like you said, European-style right wing. Or you have to be David French. I think both of those tactics are absolutely ridiculous. I mean, obviously, racism, evil, not going to go down that road. And the and I'm not just trying to pick on David French. They, they're using him as their straw man, their boogeyman. But I, I, I'm addressing... I'm trying to address their concerns as well, on some level.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: David French's plan is to— Hold on on. a second, Ian. David French's tactic, his plan is to, at least from what I can tell, is to do the exact same thing that conservatives have been doing for 20 years. Okay, that's not going to work. That's a horrible, horrible idea, Mm -hmm. and that's not going to win hearts and minds. I mean, let's look back at the conservative movement over the last 20 years. Okay, like, we've conserved nothing— we failed at every step. Every step of the way, we have been absolute, utter failures. We elect George W. Bush, who was a bad president. Everything he campaigned on, he did the opposite. Okay? We elect him, and he sucks. He gets us into a war in Iraq for absolutely no reason. He blows out spending. He, you know, b- b- blows up the debt. I, and then he, he bailed out the big banks, Right? <laughs> Uh, we need to mm-hmm. we need to destroy the free market to save the free market or we're, you know whatever. we have to violate the free market to to save the free market really really conservative conservative <laughs> George W. Bush really really and then we run John McCain who just absolutely sucked we run Mitt Romney who had the election in the bag all he had to do is fight Barack Obama one seventeenth as hard as Barack Obama was fighting him and he refused to do it. He Mm -hmm. he chose, he willingly chose to go down with his politically correct, very polite Mormonship. Okay. George Bush sucked. McCain sucked. Romney sucked. We elect all these Tea Party guys. You know, the conservative movement, you got to elect these Tea Party guys. What do they do? They vote to extend the Patriot Act and raise spending. It's like, these people suck, man. These people all suck. (laughs) And so, like, the alt-right is bad. The, the traditional conservative answer is to do the exact same thing we've been doing for 20 years. It's like, no, you fucking morons. No, no, stop it. Are you trying to drive people into the arms of the alt-right? Because if that's what you're trying to do, you're going to do it.
1: Yeah, I think, I think there's two points. I think firstly to, to go to your um, – I think this touches on something we spoke about last time of there aren't enough people in the conservative movement who are willing to fight. And often the people who are willing to fight aren't necessarily the right people to fight. And so you get people who are who just really want someone to follow who is actually going to push back on the issues they care about. And often the choices aren't that great because not enough of the mainstream conservative movement are willing to do it. And so I think that's really there's a, a gap in the market there. I mean that's why Trump was so successful, because he was a, a fairly mainstream guy who's pushed fairly mainstream conservative policies, but he's also willing to get in the mud with the left and and uh, smack them down a few times, which really is shockingly rare, given how appalling the left have been, especially in in recent times. But I think um, going back to the point you raised about the false choice, I agree completely. I think it's it's obviously appalling. I think it's the most logically broken element of our society of our modern time, quite frankly, I think everything is presented as a false choice, where we live in a binary world where it's a or B, and there's no in between. And you see it with every single big issue there is, you see it with guns, when, if you're in favor of any form of legislation, you're either pro gun or anti gun, which we both know isn't, isn't the case. You see it with abortion. You see it with every element of politics. And I think it's being I think it's being allowed to grow because a lot of politicians see that as hugely advantageous and i think that's something else the conservative movement needs to do is to push back against this this false choice really bullshit because it's there's no logic there it's (laughs) it's completely illogical and it allows really bad arguments to go far further than they otherwise would because it's they're always presented as an alternative to as you say like the the david french or america first alt-right i mean why do you have to choose either it's it's absurd
0: It absolutely is. It absolutely is. We just need to be having these conversations. Like, from—I don't know. This might be the first conversation ever had on this topic on the right. Like, I haven't seen anybody looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, hey, where have we as a conservative movement failed? And we need to be having these conversations. Well, I think— And and look, bringing it, you know, unfortunately, I wish this wasn't the case, but everything kind of falls back to Trump, I I suppose, (laughs) nowadays— But look at Trump since he's been elected. A president, Mitt Romney, would have backed down during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. Mm -hmm. Mitt Romney would have thrown Brett Kavanaugh under the bus and found another judicial pick. When the press absolutely hammered Trump's tax cuts over and over for six months, demonized the tax cuts, convinced the American public that they weren't actually getting a tax cut, a president, Mitt Romney, would have backed down and not signed Mm -hmm. the bill. I'm pretty certain. I even think a president, Ted Cruz, would have backed down, at least from the Brett Kavanaugh stuff. Maybe not the tax cuts. Like, I don't know, man. Maybe it takes a guy like Trump, a fuck-you kind of president like Trump, to kind of wake up a lot of people within the conservative movement and kind of teach them how to fight we can learn from that. Mm-hmm. We can do better next time. <laughs> you know, We can avoid all the crazy insults and the Twitter and, and everything, hopefully next, next time around with the next Republican president. But I think we, there, we as conservatives can learn a lot from President Trump. I really do. And I mean that. John McCain, George Bush, mm-hmm. Mitt Romney, if they were president right now, Brett Kavanaugh would not be on the Supreme Court. We probably wouldn't have got the tax cuts through Congress. Like, sometimes it takes a bully, it takes a, a tough guy like that to get things done. And I hope, I hope that the David Frenches of the world, and I'm sorry, I'm just using him as an example, I'm, I'm sorry to pick on David, <laughs> he's not here to defend himself, and I hate doing it, but I hope, guys like David French have not learned that le- they They refuse, they refuse to look at the upsides of Donald Trump in any way. They refuse to learn that lesson. If they don't, they're going to go right back to why they have failed for 20 years. You have to take – there's a lot of good and a lot of bad with Trump, but you have to learn from the good, and you have to take that and run with it. You have to move the ball forward, and I'm afraid they're not going
1: to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think I I definitely agree. I think um, what's interesting as well is you saw quite a lot of politicians who didn't exactly have the personality of a fighter who under the umbrella of Trump came out in a very different way. So I feel like Lindsey Graham 2.0, for example, right? right? Like Lindsey Graham was like that because he had the safety provided to him by – oh. Trump's popular doing this, so I think this can go one of two ways. I think you're completely right that we need to learn from from Trump. What I would like to see is someone who is holds the conservative principles that uh, you and I to to varying degrees hold. Um, I know we disagree on some some points, but I think we probably align on on the fundamental ones. right I would like to see someone who has Trump's ability to fight but has a a better choice of when to fight. I think that should be Trump 2.0. I what I worry is, is that the conservative movement is just going to want a fighter and it doesn't really matter who they fight or how they fight. Uh, so I think it, it can go one or two ways. And I think, again, that falls on the conservative movement to be very careful with with who we select, but also holding people to account that we don't just slide back once Trump's gone into happily doing nothing decade after decade lying about what you're going to do and when you actually get there doing nothing, kicking the can down the road, letting the the debt blow out of all proportion, because that's eventually going to blow up in our faces. We need to hold leadership to account. And that's going to be hard to do unless we demand it on a short term and on a daily basis, because it won't take long for Trump to be in the the distant, distant past and conservatism just to slide back to to how it was, which will only, as you said earlier, fuel the alt-right further.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And as per usual in the world of politics, everybody's learning the exact opposite of what they should be learning. They're all learning the wrong lessons, right? The alt-right types Mm -hmm. go Donald Trump or, you know, the America firsters say Donald Trump fights and he's getting some stuff done. So let's go with Michelle Malkin. What? No, no, no. That's not the lesson. (laughs) No, like fight, you know, fighting can be good. Tactically is a good lesson to learn, but not going full Nick Fuentes, that's not the lesson you should be learning. Mm -hmm. And then the traditional, you know, the David French types, they go, oh, well, Trump fights, and I don't like that. Let's go back to Mitt Romney. What? No, that's not at all. No, the lesson you should be learning is Trump fights. He cut our taxes. He has He's, you know, appointed more justices than, uh, you know, federal judges rather than anybody has ever in the history of the country in three years, and he's gotten all this stuff done how do we do that? How do we build off of that? And then also cultivate, uh, you know, the next generation of uh, Republican leaders, conservative leaders that maybe don't have the moral deficits that Donald Trump does not. No, don't like him. Let's impeach him. What? Like how, Mm -hmm. how are both sides so wrong? Like, can't anybody just read the writing on the wall?
1: Yeah, I I agree. I, I also think with conservatism, the problem is often, it's a question of youth. And that is, Every generation that falls, the advantage falls fully to the left because it tends to be that older people are more conservative, younger people are more progressive or leftist or, or any of those terms. And so I think it's a constant battle that the, the conservative movement needs to be fighting. I think it's starting to do that. I think, as we spoke earlier, groups like Turning Point USA are, are doing a good sort of first step in trying to trying to fight back. But I think we need to be doing that at a far more principled level rather than just a trying to basically build squads based on what hat you like to wear or what funny t-shirts you like to wear. Um, I, I, one point I'd like to make as well, just to go back to the alt-right thing a little bit, um, I think we also need to, as a movement, get, quite, uh, get better at pointing out people's motivations. I think conservatives are often far too lazy when we see someone that we disagree with. Uh, we either fall into ad hominem attacks or we we don't reject their their viewpoints and their motivations quite well enough. So for example, someone like Nick Fuentes who comes out, he says offensive things all for attention. Like he says anti-Semitic things on a pretty regular basis. I mean, the other a, a video has been circling of him basically denying the Holocaust because he made some comparison about oh you couldn't bake six million cookies in in five years, so how could you possibly uh, kill that many Jews? Um, the the point of that is not really based on whether or not he believes that I don't know if he believes it or not. The point is to get attention. He gets rejected by the mainstream conservative movement. And then something we're seeing now is that people like him demand debate with the conservative movement and they're obviously refused because they have no legitimacy and their views are abhorrent, but they're not being rejected because their views are abhorrent. They're just being rejected. And that only feeds into his cycle where he says, oh, well, that's proof of cowardice. That's proof of hypocrisy. You need to join my movement. And we need to break that cycle, because that's the powerful cycle about the any alternative to mainstream conservatism is this idea it falls into the false choice stuff. This idea that if you disagree with any element of conservatism, then you must join the alternative. And that's the cycle we need to break. That's the cycle I'm really worried about.
0: Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. And the more I've thought about this the the last week, that's what's kept me up at night, man. Like, you know, I, I feel like we're pretty far away from breaking that cycle, unfortunately. And, I mean, the big takeaway for me is, look, I think conservatives are correct. I think we're right. I, I you know, call me cocky, but I think I'm right <laughs> about <laughs> most things, you know? That's why I started a podcast. I want people to know my opinions because I feel like my opinions are correct. But it's not enough to be correct. You also have to, not to go full Trump again, but you got to win. Like, we need some Ws. You need something in the wind column. Mm-hmm. It's not... Enough just to be correct. Like, I think David French is yeah. correct on everything except for the war issues. You know, on economics and a lot of other things. Well, you know, I don't think he goes far enough. I don't think people like that, you know, Jonah Goldberg, these guys, even Ben Shapiro, go far enough. I mean, I'm an Austrian economist. Like, I, I... I I'd like about a 95% reduction of the size and scope of the state. You know, most conservatives probably would like to cut the state in half. Maybe I'm, I'm like, well, we can go up into the the mid nineties. If anything, these people aren't radical enough on economics and stuff, but, um, you you need some, some W's man. Like you can't just like, you, you need to be moving the ball forward. You can't just be morally correct and expect people to join your movement. You need to win. You know what I mean? And, um, Mm-hmm. So it's I, I I hope people learn, man. I hope people learn the right lessons. I hope people take the good things from this Trump moment and build on it, not completely reject it and try to impeach him the way a lot of these people are trying to do right now. I think that's absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous. Um, and like you said, it's just going to feed into the all right, man. It's going to feed into the Nick Fuentes narrative. You know, hey, we we finally have a guy that wants to do something about the border and you're trying to impeach him. I mean, that just plays right mm-hmm. into his hands. Uh, that That's giving him fuel. And these people don't realize. I, I don't think. I, I don't think a lot of conservatives have put thought into this. I think they just kind of like brush these people aside. And they, they're obviously, if you're a racist, your ideas should be cast out of polite society, of course. But address the legit concerns when they actually do bring up legitimate concerns.
1: Well, I think um, not even to to go that deep of just why are people moving from my movement to another movement? I think if you're any, if you're a business, if you're a team, if you're a political movement, you have to be constantly um, kind of retrospective and introspective to understand what you're doing right and wrong. Um, And I think you're, you said it really well of, it's not enough to be morally right. I think a lot of conservatives think, oh, well, my views are right. So I'm just going to sit back and the people will, will come to me. And that's just not, not how it works. And I think if, arrogance is going to you can be right and arrogant at the same time and i think uh, if you that's going to be one of the one of the things that could kill the conservative movement if you just assume that's enough and it's it's uh, it's a little scary
0: it is it is scary but uh look this is a good we're going to talk a little bit about the impeachment hearings but i'm actually out of time so we can save that for next week but um we're going to continue having these conversations i think it's very important like and like i mentioned at the beginning of the show I haven't been talking much about the alt-right because I haven't been following these people very closely. Um, It's kind of all just been brought to my attention very recently. So I I apologize for not covering it enough in the past, but we're going to continue having these conversations because they are very important. Um, Yeah, it's very important, man, that the future of the conservative movement and the future of the country is at stake. So I'd I'd call that uh, pretty urgent. So before I let you go, Ian, uh, where can everybody follow you online and read your stuff and, and check out your show, which is fantastic, and keep in touch with you and all that good stuff?
1: Yeah, so you can find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, my handle is I-G-H-A-W-O-R-T-H. Uh, I have a podcast called The Ian House Show. So you can search for that on, on YouTube. My website is I G H A W O R T H dot com. So you can find all my episodes there. You can find things I've written for The Daily Wire, The Federalist, uh, townhall.com, things like that. So Yeah, check me out. And thank you so much for having me on your show. It's always a pleasure. I can't wait to talk again next time.
0: Absolutely, man. We'll do it again soon. Everybody, follow Ian. He's great. Everybody, check out the Ian Hayworth show. Uh, That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I will be back on Monday. No gimmicks.